clothes, you want the colors to filter down with the only available colors for the other selections. So it's like dynamic filtering. Um, so that's really why we need an indexer because that stuff can be really expensive. That makes sense. We've got um, a product called Chase Single Variations, which we had to build an indexer for. Oh, yeah, we've come across that. I, f- I find it quite... It, it's quite complicated to keep on top of the index. Like there's so many scenarios where that index could just become out of date. Yeah. We've got hooks for every single type of data updating, like post meta taxonomy post. But then you get people that go in and like update straight in the database. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or they use a, like an import tool, um, which isn't doing things the WordPress way. So we don't get those hooks fired. Yeah. Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce Builder Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by A2 Hosting, where speed and security is priority 24-7 for all of your clients' Woo shops. I'll share a bit more about A2 Hosting later in the show. But today we have time for another Woo Dev Chat, where we bring in guest co-hosts to have a conversation. This time around, we have James Kemp from Iconic WP and Ross Marsali, developer and the builder behind the plugin Search and Filter Pro. We're going to hear more about how they built their products, the challenges they've had, some interesting twists and turns, what they're working on now, and just some really cool insights on being a product builder. They touch a little bit on AI at the very end, but just a little bit. Let's join Ross and James. Hey, so I'm James Kemp. Uh, I'm from Iconic WP. I run uh, Iconic where we make WooCommerce plugins, um, including Orderable, which is a separate product. I also have a, a side project app called Settery, which is a bulk product editor for WooCommerce, um, and I'm in the UK, and I'm here with Ross. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Ross. Um, I'm building the Search and Filter plugin for WordPress, which I've been doing for a number of years. I um, don't have many other side projects going, <laughs> um, and I'm currently based in Barcelona in Spain. Uh, nice. How, uh, how long have you been in Barcelona? Uh, just over a year, just over a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where are you based? Uh, near the Midlands, well, kind of around the Midlands in the UK. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, you're from the UK originally, right? Yeah, I grew up in Leeds. Um, did my uni in Nottingham, and ended up in London before I come in here. Yeah, nice. I assume you enjoy it if you've been there a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The, the only thing is, it's a bit hot, and uh, occasionally you get noisy neighbours uh, like we've had today. <laughs> yeah, you've got a, uh, you've got a time frame i guess to <laughs> to work in until they start hammering again yeah we've got about a 40 minute window um we've asked the builders next door to stop they've been very nice i'm gonna have to get them some beers later um but yeah cool well let's let's dive in then um i guess do you want to start what, what have you what are you working on search and filter i guess yeah so um what i've been working on is the search and filter plugin um it's been around for a number of years in different forms. Um, started off as a little hobby side project to test out what releasing a plugin on the repo would be like, like eight years ago or something like that. Um, and 
it's still going today, which is good. I think that's how most of us started. <laughs> yeah, like from from that period. Like my my first plugin was two thousand and eleven, uh, and I I built it just to see what it was like. Um, yeah, we had a client requirement for a feature like this, and yeah, exactly. it wasn't quite there. So it was like, okay, let's give plugin building a go and see what the repo is all about. When was uh when was your um this plugin that you're talking about? Is that still around today? Well, actually, I think I built a plugin just before that, um, which was like a Magento WordPress integration, which was like a very hacky way to do things because the the two systems just did not work together very nicely. But that was quite popular. But I released in 2011 WeThumbs, which is uh, still like our top selling product on Iconic, um, which just like essentially upgrades your product image gallery. Um, you know, you can you can customize the layout, you can add video to the gallery and things like that. Um, so yeah, I released that as a as like a customer. A customer came to me. They wanted to customize their gallery. Uh, I made it as a plugin, and I I thought um, I didn't actually go. I didn't go the WordPress.org route. I was like, how can I make more money out of this? <laughs> straight to sales. Yeah, straight to sales. Because I dabbled with add-ons for this Mag- uh, WordPress Magento plugin that I had um, using Code Canyon. Um, so yeah, this this WooThumbs, which back then was called. Uh, multiple images per variation. <laughs> very slick. <laughs> a very like uh, obvious name, um, which literally back then just allowed you to add more than one image to a, a product variation, and that was it. Um, and that that's what the the client wanted. And I, at the time, I was like, would it be okay if I released this for sale? Uh, and I think they were like, yeah, that's fine if we can have it for a bit of a discount. Ah, oh, right, yeah. So we we took that route, um, but yeah, it's still it's still like the the top seller. We've added tons to it over the years. I think. Yeah, that's the thing with these long ones, isn't it? If you've had it for that many years, it's almost inevitable that it's kind of grown, yeah, and kept growing and growing and growing and has so many different facets to it now. Exactly. Yeah. So yours is um, is it primarily for searching and filtering content, or does it also work with products and? Yeah, so um, it's it's basically it's for searching any kind of post type and the associated metadata. So we've got WooCommerce integration. Um, we've had that for a while. So yeah, you can build filters for any post meta or any attrib- uh, product attributes and things like that. Um, but then, yeah, it works for any post type, so it's like super versatile. Um, and it just uses, uses all the standard, what you'd expect, like taxonomies, Post meta, we have ACF integration, MetaBox, and all those kind of things. But yeah, so that's essentially how it works. It's always going to return uh, a post type um, as a result or as a list of results. Does it um, use any kind of indexing? Yeah, 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 that's that's something. So we had the free version on the well, had the free version on the repo um, for a number of years, just kind of sitting there. And I was like, okay, let's go pro. Uh, what can we do with Pro? And then obviously once you start selling, people start to get more expectations. And then we came up with these bottlenecks. Um, back then as well, WordPress wasn't as optimized with the queries as, as it is now. But 
Yeah, uh, it was like I think there was like certain types of meta queries were re- really would you know knock sites over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we built like an indexer. Um, so once you set up your search form or whatever, it goes through and you know your requirements and which post types you've selected and builds builds an index for those so searching's faster. The main reason really actually for the indexer now though is not because of the meta queries because a meta query can be say like cached by WordPress, but like dynamic fields. So um, I don't know what the, like it's like faceted search is when you select one option in one field, like say product category, right? Yeah, yeah. clothes, you want the colors to filter down with the only available colors for the other selection. So it's like dynamic filtering. Um, so that's really why we need an indexer because that stuff can be really expensive. That makes sense. We've got um, a product called Chase Single Variations, which we had to build an indexer for. Oh yeah, we've come across that. I, f- I find it quite it. It's quite complicated to keep on top of the index. Like there's so many scenarios where that index could just become out of date. Yeah, we've got hooks for every single type of data updating, like post meta, taxonomy, post. But then you get people that go in and like update straight in the database. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or they use uh, like an import tool, um, which isn't doing things the WordPress way, so we don't get those hooks fired, yeah. Yeah, I guess as long as you've got a, a method of rerunning that index yourself, then yeah. you can kind of prevent those issues. We've, we also had quite a few customers um, come in with, can you support displaying the variation separately because they're already using your plugin and they want to be able to use our plugin on the same shop? Yeah, we get tons of people using our plugin um, that are using the woof filter mm. yeah i don't know what the full name of that is but i've seen it written down as woof but they like that their product has at least last time i looked has like next to no filters or actions that we can hook into to like truly make it compatible with with our plugin all right we always find it hard to to recommend a search and filter plugin Okay, well, I think that might be an interesting conversation for a later date yeah. then, because we're we're doing a new version, and um, that's all. It's a complete rewrite, and it's been a few years in the making. And the idea is this time around, we're doing everything like as well as possible. Like the standards, we've raised the bar on all the standards in terms of code quality, extensibility, um, integration options. You can. You'll be able to create your own filters, like so. You can use our plugin, but you can use our API to kind of program your own filters as well. If you don't want to use the ones that we've made and things like that, and the, the idea is it's going to be super extensible. We want to get other developers on board to kind of like building products on top of our product. That's part of the the new ethos going forward. Yeah, that makes sense. But one thing we're doing with the current version that's not going to work with your plugin is we we we. We mess with this, the shop query because I've looked into it before. We mess with the shop query and we, at the end, restrict the post type to products only and not products and variations. So it's like we do all these calculations and variations and products. And then at the end, we then just say, okay, and now only select from post type uh, products. So, yeah. So I, I, already, I already know where the incompatibility is on that one. Yeah, because our plugin modifies the query to add variations exactly <laughs> um among other things so you mentioned you're you're rewriting it yeah 
I've I've taken that path a couple of times. Um, it's not always the right path, is it? It's not always <laughs> the right path, especially if you've got a plugin that is you know the age that some of our plugins are. I think we, we've approached it a few times where we come in and we're like, okay, let's rewrite this part of it. And then you start that and then you're like, okay, well, to do that, I need to actually rewrite this other part as well. It uh, <laughs> compounds from there and you, you end up rewriting the whole thing. Did you go in with like a plan? There was a, I guess, you know, when you're starting these plugins for the first time, um, I was a much worse developer, let's say, back then. And I just, I'd, I'd built a bit of a mess, let's say. <laughs> and I, just, I don't know, maybe it's the, the perfectionist in me now. Um, well, you'll, you'll probably look at this rewrite in a couple of years and, <laughs> and think the, the same thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but I was like, yeah, this is, it's just, it's just too messy. And there's too many things that we got to a stage where there was too many layers on layers of um, kind of like not, not optimal code and not the optimal way to grow and extend a plugin or add features in a nice, kind of componentized way it's just it was a bit of a bit of a hodgepodge of things i mean it works fine um it's just difficult to extend and and to kind of go forward with into the future so i was like okay let's do a rewrite on this and when i said that obviously i've uh, i underestimated <laughs> what kind of job that would be but it's yeah it's it's basically because i wanted to change the whole framework from top to bottom um and then also um, consider a few other options, such as I think when I started building it, Gutenberg hadn't been quite out, but about six months later, um, oh, it was it was somewhere in the background, but it hadn't kind of hit the the mainstream. And about six months later, I was like, right, I need to integrate with this, and I've seen how everybody is, you know, like existing classic plugins, they're like adapting to the kind of Gutenberg era, and it's kind of more of a like a bolt on. Let's bolt on yeah. a block, like a, a wrapper for our short code equivalent or something like that. And I was like, well, as soon as we're doing a rewrite, like let's go blocks first. Like let's really think about how to give a good experience for a block editor user. Like let's make their, their experience, uh, like the kind of primary experience at the end of the day, that's what WordPress is shipping with. So there was that all that into consideration we did. And then also I did mention I have a free plugin and a pro plugin. But when I released the Pro plugin, I mean, I've, I've got a list of mistakes that I've made that I've learned from. But when I, when I first released the Pro, Pro plugin, the, I kind of left the free version to stagnate. It was a separate code base. It wasn't an add-on for the free version. Free version was this short code. Really, it still is there as, as is. Um, it's a really simple short code um, plugin. And the Pro version has this whole admin UI. And what I decided to do this time around was let's, let's do a proper freemium model. We've got like 50,000 users on the free plugin. So it's a good amount of users, in my opinion, that we can start leveraging and also giving a better experience to, especially now the block editor is around. They're going to be demanding support for the block editor as well. So it's like, let's go to a freemium model. Let's leverage some of those users. Um, and, then, and then now let's build our pro plugin as literally an extension. So the free version is now the framework and the pro plugin is a collection of add-ons, let's say. Um, it's kind of... Totally different, totally different framework, but I think it's the right one going forward. Yeah, that's similar to what we do with um, Orderable. Yeah, Orderable has a free version and a pro version, and like you say, the free is is the base of the product, and then pro adds 
either extends features that are in free or adds additional features on top of free. Um, and I think one of the benefits of doing that as well is that you keep your plugin count on WordPress. Yeah, exactly. I saw that that, that idea, yeah. Yeah, you get a lot of uh, pro plugins that replace the free version. And then obviously those those numbers drop on, on WordPress.org. Um, so I do like that model, but it does have its complexities. Like if you're, there's, there's scenarios where you need to update both plugins in order for them both to work. And you could have customers that only update free and then that maybe breaks pro or only update pro and that breaks free. So you've got to have like uh, those checks built in to, to accommodate for that. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been looking at some of the big plugins for a bit of inspiration on on this stuff as well. Um, and I see there's an odd one that I've seen, which is Elementor. They keep both their pro and free version version numbers pretty much in sync. I think mm. three point one you're like having pro and free, and three point two and so on. Um, I'm not planning to do anything like that, but I'm just curious as to why they do it like that. I feel like we do do that, not necessarily intentionally. But it just happens that, you know, if we're releasing an update, then it's affecting both plugins and they both get, you know, a minor version update. I think they're pretty in sync anyway. I haven't, I need to check the numbers. But yeah, it's definitely, um, it's a good model. We want to adapt it a bit so it's a bit more modular. Um, It's built in a modular way, but as a customer, I think it would be useful to be able to turn these features on and off. So like, you know, via some kind of settings panel, if if the customer wants product add-ons, they could turn it on. Uh, If they don't have it on, then there's no settings that show up for it. I've seen some nice UIs from you on Twitter, um, like feature panels and things like that, where you can go and switch things on and off. Maybe that's for another plugin, but I think I remember seeing something that you were doing. Yeah, we've definitely... I, I posted um, that exact scenario for Orderable uh, as an idea uh, quite a while ago now. So you must have been trolling my, <laughs> my Twitter. <laughs> yeah, sorry, a while ago because um, I've, I've still I've got like a little placeholder where we're still going to integrate something exactly like that as well. I think it was uh, Leslie Sim. She's done a really nice settings page for yes, yeah, I think for her plugin as well. Um, uh, I think um, Slice WP. He was he was doing something on that front as well. Exactly, yeah. So there's loads of inspiration, but I, I basically want to do something right in line with those. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really nice, and it feels to the the person using it that they're reducing bloat. You know, you can have a plugin with all these features, um, which could be seen as bloated, but if they're able to turn it on or off, and the code doesn't even run if they turn it off, Yeah, um, I think that's a good thing for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you seen, uh, there's a onboard.io, I think it's called, which is mildly relevant, but it's, uh, yeah, no, it's onboardwp.io. And it's a guy, Joshua Wald, is basically going through a load of plugins. Uh, I came across this last week, yeah. Popular plugins, and he's he's going through their onboarding process and kind of analyzing it. Yeah, uh, which is really cool. Hey, Bob WP dropping in to give a shout out to today's pod friend. 
Every site you build has a potential to be fast and secure. With A2 e-commerce hosting, it's understood that your client's store is running 24-7 and that speed is critical to keep both you and your client happy. As you've heard a number of times from guests here, performance is key when it comes to your client's woo shops. A2 Hosting's VPS and dedicated turbo plans will make you a shining star when it comes to your clients. They even have a one-click deployment for woo sites that need an easy alternative. Their enhanced security won't keep yourself or your clients awake at night, and they have promised a no-hassle money-back guarantee. So consider A2 Hosting for your next client project at a2hosting.com and let's get back into the show. Have you got um, any nice onboarding processes in your plugins? We have a few things. In Audible, we we built out like a stepped onboarding process, um, which when you land on the settings page, most of our plugins have a settings page of some kind. So with Audible, you land on the settings page. If you haven't got WooCommerce installed, it will install it for you. Um, it then like prompts you to configure your store. The, the kind of plan with Audible was that someone who doesn't know what WooCommerce is could come in, install it, and we would set up WooCommerce for them. Ah, so you automate away those those WooCommerce settings. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're filling in like their shop address, um, like their opening hours, and uh, whether they offer delivery or pickup, that kind of stuff. And we're configuring orderable and WooCommerce based on those settings. The users don't get the um, the WooCommerce um, onboarding screens. Then do you manage to kind of hide that somehow? No, we we bypass that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. We wanted to make it uh, as straightforward as possible. There's probably, I wouldn't say it's like the ideal solution. I think we could expand on it quite a lot more. But the the target audience was, you know, people who are very non-technical, uh, like restaurant owners who just want to get their restaurant online and not have to pay, um, you know, just eat or delivery fees all the time. Um so they they could come in just install orderable and have it all all set up and and working there's there's i think there's always going to be like a level of you've got to have a level of tech savvy to use wordpress in general i think yeah 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 i'm i'm planning to do something similar um with search and filters to have like a splash page or wizard onboarding wizard um because it's just uh, the plugin works with well, it has so many integrations, just presenting everybody with every integration and that kind of stuff via a complex setting page is too much. So I want to do like a wizard where we say, hey, it looks like you're using Elementor. Do you want to activate the Elementor features like off the bat or, you know, or the WooCommerce features off the bat? And that's the thing with our plugin is just we have to integrate with so many third-party plugins because we're essentially searching their data or their list of results or products. So I think... Search and fill is a great candidate for something like this, um, just to kind of get rid of, you know, hide 80% of the options from the users when they first use the plugin because they just don't need them. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you seen um, WP Fusion? They do something similar to that. Yeah, um, I haven't actually played with it, um, but I've had my eye on it. I think I'm going to need to be using it on my own site soon enough, um, but it looks very slick. It's a good plugin. Yeah, um, 
because they integrate with loads of things as well they have they have a similar setup where if you've got you know woocommerce installed it will prompt you to enable that integration nice yeah it definitely it makes sense to hide irrelevant integration options yes it can be overwhelming yeah until the point that they maybe install that plugin yeah exactly or theme i guess there's probably some themes that you need to integrate with as well but yeah with um with my other product Settery, um that that's a SaaS product so if you want to bulk edit your woocommerce products you sign up to the SaaS and you connect your store to our spreadsheet editor um which is really slick but what you have to do is install a helper plugin which we host on wordpress.org and that helper plugin has like zero settings so what we did in that one was when someone activates it, you get redirected to what's essentially like a landing page that explains the concept of Settery and, you know, prompts them to go over to the Settery website, set up an account. It's a weird scenario because I've, I've not had to explain that there's no settings before. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a, quite an unusual one. Yeah, it, it's a really cool plugin to be fair because it, it extends the the REST API of WooCommerce. Is that how you're importing the products? Yeah, we're, we're we're not necessarily importing. We're we're literally like calling the REST API um, and updating the data live, like in in batches of of a hundred products. Ah, okay. It's like syncing, more like syncing, I guess, rather than yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we've had to add. Because by default, like the API in WooCommerce, you've got products as a separate API to product variations. Um, and the data you receive for those products is different as well as the data you send. So we've we've ex- expanded on top of their API and built our own, which then calls their APIs to actually do the updates. Um, but we do things like as the calls come in, we'll process the data that we're sending. Uh, so for like categories, for example, we send a comma-separated list uh, or a pipe-separated set- list of categories, uh, process it in our plugin to to break it up and then find the matching category or create a new one if it doesn't exist Yeah, um, and things like that. So we do a lot of this processing stuff on top of what's available by default. I, th- I think I saw one of your um, gists uh, where you managed to disable all the other plugins on the REST API endpoint. Is, do you, can you only use it on a per-site basis, or can you roll that into a plugin? So it's uh, it's an MU plugin, so it's a must-use plugin, um, which, if anyone doesn't know, is is a separate folder to WP content forward slash plugins. And the premise of an MU plugin is that they, they always run, and they run before anything really happens on the WordPress site. Yeah. It's one of the earliest hooks fired, isn't it? The MU plugins. I think it's maybe even the second or something that like it's very early, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's before other plugins load. So what, what we can do is we check whether the current uh, URL or, you know, query parameter contains settery in some way. Uh, and if it does, we're basically filtering the WordPress 
uh, active plugins option to say disable everything except WooCommerce and Settery. And yeah, I had this this one customer that was using Settery, and they it was super slow because they had so many plugins that were trying to fire and you know run at the same time. Um, and th- this was the the kind of case study that that I used where it was taking. <coughs> Um, to load, I think, well, to save 120 products, it was taking one minute and eight seconds. <laughs> and then with the MU plugin that I built active, it took eight seconds. And like that, 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 that time difference was, was crazy. We, we have a kind of similar, similar concern in that when we say do a search on a site and uh, Ajax request, it goes off to, um, well, the REST API or wherever. We can never make the search faster than their site. That's something we have to say to the customers often. It's like, your site takes one and a half seconds before time to first byte or whatever. And like, if you disable our plugin, what is it? It's still 1.3, let's say. So it's like, you, you guys need to, in a way, work on that part of your site in order to improve our search. I, I, I'd like a solution like what you've, what you've done there to be uh, possible where you could kind of say, hey, let's disable all this stuff for the search. And then the search could be really quick. Um, but my impression is obviously if it's an MU plugin, it's not something that we can bake into our plugins. Um, but it'd be really good if something like that existed. I have good news for you. Um, you do have good news, good. <laughs> yeah. So I, in the free plugin, um, there's a script that that grabs the MU file. So we've got the MU plugin as a separate file in the free plugin. Uh, it grabs it and it moves it to the MU folder. Okay. If it doesn't exist, and it, it checks like a uh, a version number that we've added in that script as well. Wow. Okay. Um, so if we update it in the future, it will replace it. Ah, oh, so that's possible. So maybe it could be something that we add where we like hide it behind a feature flag and say, "Hey, look! If you're really looking to optimize your site, try this. Like, enable this feature." Maybe it doesn't work for everybody. I guess depending on file permissions and things like that on the on the host. On it seems pretty reliable. To be fair, uh, if you look at like uh, I think it's Migrate DB Pro, they have a similar file that they move into the MU plugins. Cool. I'm going to put a note to investigate that. But I'm using. I can send you the code, but it's using uh, the WP file system. So in theory, it should be pretty reliable. And those permissions should be on in most cases. Those permissions should be good. And if they're not, the the person's already got a problem. That yeah, not aware yeah, exactly. of yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the only concern would be if they don't have the MU plugin or uh, folder already. Like, then there may be a permission there that that won't allow you to create it but it should be fine because you know that the uploads folder is is in the same directory uh, and that uses the same you know logic to to move files there and yeah i mean the the, the, the mu folder is a subfolder of the plugins folder right the mu folder so it's, it's called mu hyphen plugins and it's a subfolder of wp content so it sits ah is it not of the plugins i thought it was no it sits in line Okay, because I was going to say, obviously, the plugins and theme folders will be writable. They have to be. Yeah. But, yeah, so maybe and there's a lot of It works differently as well. Like, you don't add folders 
you you can do it like on a folder basis, but you you would usually just add like a PHP file and it would automatically run it. Ah, uh, yeah, you just drop that in. Yeah, it's like the Hello Dolly um, plugin where it's just a file. There's no headers to that file either, like you would do in a normal WordPress plugin. Um, so it just takes the contents of that file and it it just runs them. But what what like if you're building sites for clients. And you want to use MU plugins. Uh, a lot of the time, they'll have like one file that then looks inside the folders and loads the subfolder with the same name. Yeah, that's right. I've seen that. But yeah, that's that's the the premise of it. So anyone installing Settery now is going to get that script, uh, and they're going to get the benefits of you know super fast product updates, and it's like ridiculously fast. Like even fetching the data is is so quick, but like you say, it, it does depend on how fast their server is as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like there could be button bottlenecks there as well. But um, I think it might be worth just touching on what started this chat. I think because we were talking about quite briefly on Twitter about AI. Mm. Um, I mean, I know everybody's talking about it, so I don't want to go too too much into that. But you mentioned you're using something to do with AI and Settery. Is that right? Yeah. I think there's like a rush at the moment to get AI into every product. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> um, and there's a lot of clones of like chat GPT that like mildly enhance it or like modify it in some way. Or even make it worse. <laughs> yeah. Or, or make it worse and charge you for it. So I, I've kind of struggled with thinking, can I use AI? And if so, Am I doing it like as a gimmick or will it actually be useful? Exactly, yeah. Um, so for Settery, I think there was a few paths that that we could take to integrate AI. Uh, and I think there's another one that I'll mention in a minute. But the first one um, that I thought would be useful is, well, first of all, so Settery is like a spreadsheet editor. So all of your products load in a spreadsheet um, where each column is a... Uh, a data point for that product. So you've got, you know, product name, uh, product price, product description, product short description, that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought the first thing that would be useful for people with regards to AI is to take the product descriptions that they've already got and enhance them with AI. Uh, AI. You know, not not everyone's like a, a content writer or or knows how to write content that sells. Um, I I still feel well, like AI does. <laughs> I struggle with that. <laughs> but yeah, AI is is great at that if you tell it to be. Yeah, you tell it's an expert at writing uh, great marketing materials. Yeah, exactly. And I think the the important thing is to when you get this content back to not take it as okay, that's that's the final you know version of the content. You've got to actually read that it makes sense and take it as, as a bit of an inspiration to what your content could be. So yeah, I in, I added this button to the description fields and the short description fields that when you click it, it takes your existing description as well as the product name and it passes it through um, the... I don't know if you can hear AI. that, but I hear a drill next door. Oh, yeah, I did see. hear that. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap up um but yeah it, it it generates you three different options 
for that description, um, you know, enhanced to to make it more uh, of a more markety, I guess, uh, you know, marketing copy. Um, and it does a really good job. So you can choose one of those options, and it will uh, stage it as a change, which you can then go in and edit it if you want. Um, and then, yeah, when you when you click save, it will it will push all of those lovely new AI descriptions to your your products. Um, yeah, so I'm keep my, um, muting this mic because I think they're back. Um, but I'll just say that I've also been trying to look into the AI stuff. But I think AI in search, well, Bing have tried to do it, and I wouldn't. I, I'm not particularly interested in using AI sitting alongside my search right now as it is today. I was thinking how we could integrate it with something like search and filter, but I, th- I I don't really see any options. I want to jump on the bandwagon a bit, but I don't see many options. I think the the chap who was building WP Fusion, I forget his name, Jack. he was doing some little yeah, he was doing some experiments with like querying like WooCommerce products uh, using natural language essentially. Like, hey, I want to you know this size, uh, this color, and and this size. Um, what what have you got? Kind of thing. Um, but I. I still think people don't really want to search that way, though. That was based on uh, a conversation I had with him, actually. Oh, really? About a potential... We're we're looking into building a product um, which is essentially like a shopping assistant. So it would would take your natural language queries uh, and give you suggestions for which products, you know, match... uh, match match those the query that you have um i guess the difference there is that you're not explicitly like checking off options to filter existing products you're you're doing it in a much more natural uh tone of voice i guess yeah yeah i mean i i can totally see that there's some there's definitely some potential there i just i'm wondering uh what the kind of like next level is that makes it super accessible or or maybe it's just familiarity with things like that, um, you know, using websites in that way. Maybe that's the bridge that makes that seem kind of um, kind of awkward to, to use. Just, yeah. I think there's potentially ways for you to utilize AI that aren't customer-facing as such. Yeah, like analyzing searches and, and, and like kind of analytics. Yeah, even like back-end stuff. But, but for the customer... Um, you know, kind of knowing what they've filtered before or what products they're looking at and suggesting suggesting filtered results for them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. You know, like, like, hey, I, I noticed you're looking for men's shoes frequently. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Have a look at have a look at this query. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. something like that. Or yeah, or analyzing. Uh, search data i like reporting on what people are looking for for a store owner is like massive yeah that's the kind of stuff i've i've been thinking about where it seems like something i might be able to action um kind of analytics integrations uh interpreting data basically yeah i think that would actually be very straightforward if you've got you know if you already log what people are filtering and what people are searching like analyzing that data with AI is—it's kind of its main main use, main use case. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it does. So, yeah, I definitely think that would be a, a good way to go. 
Awesome. Well, um, if you want to, people listening, if you want to catch up on Twitter, I'm James C. Kemp. Uh, my websites are iconicwp.com, audible.com, and setery.com. And if you want to catch up with me, I have an awkward handle on Twitter, which is R-M-O-R-S underscore. And my website is searchandfilter.com. Thanks. Awesome. See you soon. See you soon. Take care. Hey, everyone. Bob WP here, and I'm closing out the show. But, you know, I find these conversations fascinating. It's like being a fly on the wall when two developers are hanging out and just talking shop. And yes, I really can't wait to see what other devs bring to the table each month. Now, before I hit that stop button, I would like to give one more shout out to A2 Hosting and the dedication they have to helping you build faster and secure sites for your clients. Just visit them at a2hosting.com. And make sure and find the A2 Hosting team at WordCamp Europe if you're going and say hi. Plus, I'll be there as well, so let's connect. Until the next time, you know the drill. Keep on doing the woo.